0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Sports & Songs Podcast. We're on season three. This is episode number 48, the songs edition. Uh, Edition only for songs, music, and albums. Uh, We're your hosts, Dan and Andy. Andy, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. How about you?
0: Good, good. Today is October 20th, 2022. We've got a special guest uh, with us. Uh, Jeff will be joining us here. Uh, Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, how's it going? Good. We're we're doing good. We're going to be doing an album review today. The topic is Motley Crue. And uh, Jeff here is lead singer in a Motley Crue tribute band. And Andy, uh, tell us tell us a little bit of how you uh, found these guys on
1: social media. Um, w- one day busy at work, I was scrolling through Facebook and um, came across Theater Pain on the, one of the tribute sites and uh, saw some of their stuff and saw some of Jeff's posts. And I uh, dropped him a link and said, hey, would you like to be on our uh, happy little podcast we have here, and that we do local bands, local tribute bands, and uh, asked him to be on. And it was also um, some comments on, someone did a review, it was an anniversary of the Theater of Pain album had come out. And there were some comments on there, we kind of went off of that too, for the idea.
0: Well, that is good. We've got, uh you have anything to interject there, Jeff?
2: Well, yeah, just uh, that, um, as he started to allude to there, the name of our tribute band is Theater of Pain.
0: Okay. See, this is awesome. Easy to remember for the listeners out there. Theater of Pain here in the Twin Cities.
2: Connected to the album there, of course.
0: That's right. Well, we lucked out on the timing because the album review this week is Theater of Pain by Motley Crue. I'll get started here with the overview, guys, and... What we'll have is Jeff do the track listing song by song and then we'll interject personal opinions on each of these songs. But I'll give an overview first here of the album itself. I'll bring it up on the screen. Very iconic album. The the Motley Crue Theater of Pain here. now Let's see how this looks here. There we go. And so Theater of Pain was the third studio album by American heavy metal band Motley Crue, released June of 85. And yeah, let's see, one more thing. There we go. I'll get this banner uh, off the page. How does that look? Is that yeah. look We got the Theater of Pain. So we got the masks there. That's the Motley Crue Theater of Pain album cover. Now, this was released in the aftermath of, of lead vocalist's Vince Neal's arrest for manslaughter on a drunk driving charge. That's right. This album marked the beginning of the band's transition, also away from the traditional heavy metal sound of Too Fast for Love and Shout at the Devil, towards a more glam metal style. Do you agree with that, Jeff?
2: I would say it was a little bit of their attempt to diverge away from this really heavy metal and, um, yeah, you just uh, mentioned the fact that Vincent spent some time in jail. He uh, had as a passenger in his car when he wrecked uh, was the guitar player from, uh, kind of, his name was Razzle.
1: Handy Rocks.
2: Oh, Hanoi Rocks. Yes. Oh, Hanoi
1: Rocks, I'm sorry. Thank you. Hanoi Rocks. And they were an up-and-coming
2: band that was doing really well. And Right. Uh, Untimely death uh, definitely put a crimp on their career. Um, Vince Neal ended up doing like only 30 days in jail for that, and it was the inspiration for a handful of songs.
0: Yeah, it's uh, the Theater Pan contains the hit singles Smoking in the Boys' Room and the power ballad Home Sweet Home. And so, this was rec- you know, this is recorded in Hollywood. It's considered the genre Genre here is glam metal. The album length is 35 minutes, 16 seconds, and it was produced out on Electra with Tom uh, Worman, producer. Any other comments on there, uh, Jeff, as far as that information?
2: Well, you know, um, Home Sweet Home was their biggest hit. Um, I don't think there's ever uh, been a Motley Crue song that, charted higher on the top 40 um they tend to end all their concerts with it very iconic song it was remade again uh around 1990 i'm guessing more or less somewhere in there and re-released a big mtv hit um and smoking in the boys room was the same thing um you know theater of pain is a lot of times it's kind of considered um by members of the band to be one of their least favorite albums from that period, although I think there's a lot of good tracks on it. Um, it's one of those albums that uh, put them on the charts. You know, I mean, it really it did put them on the map, uh, even in a more solid way than they had been before. Um, in my opinion, it's, it, it, it is a good album that stands the test of time.
0: Yes, and and what it did was, you know, it followed up on, uh, you know, this was nineteen, early 85 when Motley Crue entered the studio to begin recording the follow-up to their highly successful 1983 Shout at the Devil. That album sold 4 million copies. Uh, that also established the band as one of the world's top recording acts. And so they followed up with this, and this also sold four times four platinum, four times platinum. Now, the interesting thing is, the, the band enjoyed a tumultuous two years in the in the wake of Shout at the Devil's unexpected success, Success and the band's fondness for partying and sex earned them a reputation as a legitimate, dangerous band, culminating in that December 1984 car crash uh, where Razzle uh, was killed and Vince Neil was driving that vehicle. On top of Neil's troubles, the band's founder and primary songwriter, Nikki Six, developed a heroin addiction, which was beginning to spiral out of control at this time. Further adding to the turmoil, the band had been seriously considering replacing guitarist Mick Mars. And so it was with those uncertainties hanging over the band that Theater of Pains recording began in January 85. The working album title was Entertainment or Death uh, that Nikki Sixx came up with. And then right prior to the release, they changed it to Theater of Pain any comments there? You know, we got Nikki six developing the, the heroin. These guys were out of control. If you read the book, uh, the dirt by Motley crew, it it goes into a lot of these stories, a lot of these things on tour and the personal lives of these guys uh, around this time.
1: Yeah, there's uh, not
2: much more to add to it. Uh, Everybody knows the story of, uh, Nikki six and his near death overdose experiences in 87. Um, which motivated him to get sober. Um, Whether or not he really did get sober at that point in time is a matter of argument I've heard amongst some circles because he's kind of claimed that he's been uh, completely sober and clean since then, but there's also people that will put that... Rumor aside, and say, oh no, no, <laughs> the bad boy is still a bad boy every now and then.
0: Yes, but it's uh, interesting. I don't know,
2: you know, I've never met any of the guys in the band, so I'm just a fan like everybody else. Um, and and you know, you probably know more details than I do. There, what you were reading out of Wikipedia, I could not have told you there was four million copies sold.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, and and like it said too here on the on the website it was unexpected success they were not planning to to take the the world by storm with that Shout at the devil uh, album but boy did it do well now they came in and recorded this album and included a cover song you know uh you know smoking, smoking in the, boys, in the room. boys room they had it was idea it was Vince Neil's idea to do that back when the band first got together and the rest of the guys were uh, they were like, I don't think it's that's not going to work. You know, it's a cover from the Brownsville Station Band from well, 1973. There's, another,
2: there's an actually there's another story that goes along with that, um, how that song came to be, and that it has a local tie. Uh, there used to be a band here in the Twin Cities that was called Obsession, and then later they went to do originals and they changed the name to Funhouse, but. While they were still under the name Obsession, they did a tour through Los Angeles, playing some shows. And if you, they were. I went to high school with the bass player in that band, so I knew these guys really well. And they were in Los Angeles performing uh, off and on for a couple years, '83 and '84. And a couple of the guys in that band have claimed that they saw Vince Neil and Nikki Six um, together when they were in the club actually watching obsession perform now you know sometimes people will exaggerate and try to get themselves a little extra credit but when that song came out in 85 some of the guys were around you know from that band were trying to claim credit for having given Motley Crue the inspiration to remake that song. I see. Like I said, whether or not it's true, who knows? But they may very well have, uh, you know, been listening to Vince previously talking about that song. as I'm sure they've talked about lots of songs, of course, and perhaps seeing a, a band do it. And Obsession was a band that was, you know, they were very hard rock, heavy metal, glam kind of orientated a lot of smoke bombs a lot of light shows um playing all that kind of music Def Leppard and Kiss and that sort of thing so um and I I can well remember they were doing that song before Motley Crue came out with it
0: interesting and then you know the 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 ballad the you know the the power ballad "Home Sweet Home" was big, but that was a, really a change. Also, something that was not in their you know uh, el- albums in the past, not released as a single. They didn't never had any power ballads, and so that was a different right. thing as well to be added into the mix.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I imagine that uh, that may have been part of the reason why they did it. Um, because it is kind of credited as being one of the first quote-unquote power ballads, because it goes from a gentle piano and vocal to a really driving guitar solo.
0: Yep, that is correct. So the band, uh, for those listeners that, that do not know, it's Vince Neil on vocals, Mick Mars, guitars, Nicky Six, bass, and Tommy Lee drums. And so the track listing, Jeff, if you could go through the track listing Uh, song by song and give us some of your some of your take your little take on some of these uh, some of these songs here from this album
2: well the first song is called City Boy Blues and I think it was uh, probably not the best song to start an album off with Um, it's first of all it's not a blues kind of a number it's a pretty uh, herky-jerky kind of fast you know glam rock so I, I always kind of felt like that song was you know misnamed, you know. Um, and it's it's actually not a bad song, but it's definitely not one of my favorites on the album. Um, and typically, you know, you try to put your first song is gonna be one of the hits. Smoking in the Boys Room was the next song. And, you know, everybody kind of is familiar with that and the success that it had. The next song on the on the album is called Louder Than Hell. Now, this song is my absolute number one favorite song on the album. Um, It's got that killer dance beat. There won't be a girl on the dance floor that doesn't swing her hips to it. Um, It's got killer vocal extremely difficult vocal segments in the song and it's one of my personal favorites to perform for some of those reasons that you know i just feel like it's an impressive song if i if my voice voice was going out for any reason if i was having a bad night you know it's the kind of a song that's difficult enough that i'd have to remove it from the set because you really got to have your your voice
0: and shape on that song, Andy. Um, and Andy what's your thoughts, Andy,
1: yeah. on this one? Well, Lauder in Hell" so far, I think he's been pretty spot on. "City Boy Blues," I like that song. It's just not a good lead-off song in there. Uh, "Louder in Hell" is my second favorite on the album. Uh You'll get to it later. My favorite, but I agree with you. "Louder in Hell," it, it gets you going. It's it's a great song. The one thing I will say about "City Boy Blues," though, it is a good sing-along song in the car with no one else around in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I like, uh, louder than hell. Very good song. And Andy just mentioned too, that city boy blues is a good sing-along song. Uh, if, if anything else, it's a good sing-along song in a car.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> the other thing about louder than hell, um, the band still plays it to this day when they're doing live shows. I don't know if they play it every show. Um, but, uh, been told anyway that they do um, you know around the country in this current tour that they're doing and when I listen to the words um, and listen to the story I think and I don't know this but I think it's definitely a song that was inspired when Nikki Six was thinking about Vince Neal's time in jail if you listen to the words what it sounds to me like is He's describing the various subgroups that you might find in a prison. Some like violence, some like submission, some use aggression. You know, he's describing these different groups of people that Vince Neal found himself thrown into a, you know, a large community (laughs) forcibly required to live amongst, you know, whatever number of hundreds or even thousands of complete and total strangers. And, you know, Nikki Sixx has talked about, you know, the experience that Vince went through caused him to think about what that must be like and to write about it. And I don't know for a fact, but I think Louder Than Hell is one of those songs that, That he's talking about where he got his inspiration for it
0: awesome awesome
2: so the next song after that is keep your eye on the money and uh what can i say i think that's a really good song um good beat you know i can only tell you my opinion because i'm just a fan like everybody else and you know what do i know yes yes so the next song is Tonight We Need a Lover. That's probably my least favorite song on the track. Uh, Use It or Lose It, kind of in the middle somewhere. Not not one of my favorites, not the worst song. Um, the next song is Save Our Souls, and I really like that song. It's got such a cool tempo, got a very eerie vocal tied in with it, very eerie guitar. Um very interesting tune. Um, to me anyway, it kind of shows a range of musical ability that these guys really do have. It's not just three guys banging on guitars and drums and making noise with it. Um, you know, that's a song to me that really kind of puts, puts Motley crew and Nikki six and, you know, Mick Mars in a real strong category of songwriter. You know, there's 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 some uh, some harmonies and intricacy there. That's not just your basic three chord song. Uh, the next song on the, is a track called "Raise Your Hands." Kind of an acoustic vibe, but it has a fast vocal. Um, but one of the things about Motley Crue that I've always thought was that. <clears throat> Nikki Six writes his words and lyrics to have a lot of them have a really fast delivery. I mean, if you think about, you know, the big hit Dr. Feel Good, it's it's a real fast vocal delivery, but it might be layered over a song that's not real fast where the music is, you know, uh, of a more medium tempo. That's kind of how Raise Your Hands occurs to me. Um, Fight for your rights is another song it kind of falls in the middle category for me. It's um, it's okay You know, it's it's nothing. I got all that excited about um, But it's, it's not a bad song <laughs> You know, but it's one of those songs. It's the last song on the album and uh, I could see why that that one didn't become a hit <laughs> So that's it ten songs on the album 35 minutes straight ahead, rock and roll for the most part.
1: Yeah. Like you said, um, keep your eye on the money. That's my favorite song on the album. Uh, my least, my least favorite song. Obviously I'd be smoking in the boys room. I, maybe I got to sick of it on radio and stuff all the time. I, I, I think Brownsville station did a much better version. Um, I've heard other versions, too, but that song seemed like it was kind of thrown in there, too, in a way. Like, for MTV, they did the song and the video.
2: Yeah, that Brownsville Station version really was a big hit. I mean, uh, I always liked that song, and that's one of those perfect, perfect songs that by the time Motley Crue may have, you know, that by the time they remade it, that's one of those songs where it might have been a little bit forgotten. It had had been years ago that it had been a hit, and there was a whole new younger generation of, you know, teenagers listening to Motley Crue. So that's a song that kind of came back up for them. You know, one thing people ask me about Theatre of Pain is, you know, am I, like, a huge fan of that album? Is that why I named my tribute band Theatre of Pain? The reason why I named my band Theatre of Pain wasn't because of the album necessarily, but because of the album artwork. I've seen there's a lot of Motley Crue tribute bands around the country. There's you know one in Philadelphia. There's one down in Texas. There's one in in Phoenix. You know, and and so I needed to pick a name of uh, a Motley Crue tribute name that would work well. That. A number one hadn't already been isn't already being used there used to be a Motley Crue tribute band in Minneapolis and Minnesota called Wildside which no longer exists but I felt like I could have used it but I decided not to Um, you know which is also the name obviously another album but I mean uh, yeah there's just a lot of reasons why I like the artwork that goes on the cover of Theater of Pain, and I thought it would make a cool, you know, motif to create for a tribute band title. But uh, yeah, the album Theater of Pain—I gotta be honest with you—when it came out, you know, I probably didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to the other songs on the album. Just I was aware of the hits. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great album as I listened to it. There's, you know, some really good tracks on there.
1: You you talk about the album cover, you know, comedy and tragedy being on the album cover there. And to me, that is one of their better album covers. Yeah, Shout the Devil is kind of cool. And, you know, Wild Side, you know, wasn't cool. Don't get me wrong. But this one, because it showed they weren't, they were trying to get away from the image of, L.A. bands that they're kind of roped into. They want to kind of separate themselves, get a little more mainstream, which they did. So they came out with an album cover, didn't have them on it, and that's what I kind of liked about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I,
2: I kind of thought, I guess, you know, going, trying to get into their heads just a little bit, you know, um, they they've always been a little bit artistic you know obviously too fast for love has that iconic picture of vince's crotch and he's got all his bracelets on and whatnot and then you know girls 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 which is actually after this one is a picture of him sitting on motorcycles so i mean a lot of the a lot of the you know cover artwork and photos and whatnot like any other band it's pictures of the band and You know, Theater of Pain, you know, those masks are kind of a, you know, iconic pair of symbols from, you know, everything from Mardi Gras in New Orleans to, you know, Metropolitan Opera in New York. You know, it's just kind of a, in my mind anyway, it's it's an ode to, you know, something completely different than what you might expect from, just a straight-ahead rock and roll band, you
1: know. Well, and also they—this was in '85 when it came out. You could do something pretty, pretty safe for an album cover, because '85 era is when the PMRC was out there ripping every rock band there was. So if they didn't go with the crotch shot, like on Too Fast for Love and everything else, they can kind of go under the radar, get out of their their firing line. good good move on their part it's definitely not smell the glove (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) that's awesome yeah the yeah there was there was one more you know they got targeted you know pmrc mentioned something as uh you know smoking in the boys room you know they, they had they were they It came after them a little bit for that, uh, for bad references, for bad influence on the youth of America. Um, and you know, it's all that, all that stuff, but they went after Twisted Sister and Wasp and everything else, but that's right. The album itself, the cover, they stayed away from the cover and uh, were forced to kind of go in deeper to this, to the album.
1: Well, Wasp was kind of asking for it too, though.
0: Wasp, yeah, was kind of asking (laughs) for it, I think. Uh, now, what you, what are your guys' thoughts? I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Uh, as I'm not, you know, a, a country western fan, but you know, Carrie Underwood did the cover of, uh, you know, Home Sweet Home back in its uh, tw- 2009. She did a cover of the song, and it became a big hit. What's your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, I'll Didn't start even with Jeff. Know that. <laughs> oh, okay, a I'll bunch of country ahead.
1: album. Some country artists did cover some Motley Crue songs. Um, most of them were all terrible. Uh, that's just my opinion. And I, I kind of had the, my country music phase there for a while. They were all pretty terrible. But, um, obviously and
0: Jeff, and what Andy's talking about is that is that album, there was a tribute album by country western music artists that they did a tribute to, to Motley Crue. What was the name of that album? We did a review on that at one point,
1: Andy. Yeah, I can't remember what it is offhand. It wasn't
0: that good, but they they all showed their appreciation for the rock scene and they all yeah, nine or 10 I, different I, groups, uh, did, did songs uh, of Motley Crue.
2: I'm not, I'm not a country fan by any stretch whatsoever. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I have not followed or paid any attention to it. I try not to be a hater about it. Um, so I do recall there wasn't there some other bands, not just Motley Crue, but, they did kind of the same thing with some other ones and yeah. maybe just country bands. But I know there's been, you know, like various rock artists that they all did a cover of, you know, like, like uh, black
1: Sabbath, songs too.
2: Sebastian Bach doing, you know, sweetly for something, you know, along those lines. I wasn't aware of this, you know, what's her name in the country world? Carrie Enjoying
1: Underwood. It, but. Yeah. Here's the track listing for that yeah. one.
2: I mean, I've oh. heard of her.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got, okay, Andy's got the track listing. Let's, let's oh, run it by Jeff and see what he thinks.
1: The album was called Nashville Outlaws, a tribute to Motley Crue. Uh, Kickstart My Heart by Rascal Flats. If I Die Tomorrow by something called Florida Georgia Line. Leanne Rimes did Smoking in the Boys Room. Uh, Justin Moore. And Vince Neal did a duet for Home Sweet Home. Uh, uh, Chastity Pope did The Animal and Me. Aaron Lewis did Afraid. Big and Rich did Same Old Situation. Claire Brown did Without You. Eli Youngband did Don't Go Away Mad, Just Go Away. Uh, Lauren Jenkins did Looks to Kill. Cadillac 3 did live wire I have not heard of I want to heard of like two of these country artists so far um, Mavericks <laughs> dr Fielder. Um
2: you know this is like one of those things where okay part of my brain wants to ask for the name of this album so that I can maybe get a copy of it you know or just borrow it or something and then part of my brain says to me don't do it because right. Once I list, once you listen to something like that, you can't unhear it. You know what I mean? It uh, ends up. It could be a big
1: mistake to look. <laughs> you know, right? You can't unsee something like that once you've seen it, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct.
2: But, uh, no. so you guys have listened to it. What do you think? I,
1: Gretchen Wilson did Wild Side. And I'm kind of partial to Gretchen Wilson, so that's really the only song I liked on that album. Um the wife and some other family members are country music fans, so they hadn't heard of most of these artists on there. So I don't know if there were studio musicians who were trying to get their big break being on this album or something, but uh it was I, I don't know if Nikki Six and Vincent all did it for the money or what, but it was not good. So, did the album sell well? Did country music fans oh. snap it up like no, cakes no. or did no? I just flounder big time, and it was a huge mistake. It, it was a mistake and a waste of time and money.
2: Yeah, it didn't do too well. That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, oh. just on the face of it, I would think that a lot of your Hardcore country music fans wouldn't even give it a chance if they were told that we're doing a bunch of Motley Crue songs, and probably much in the same way, a lot of hardcore Motley Crue fans <laughs> wouldn't give it a chance either. Right. I don't want to hear a bunch of co- country people wrecking my favorite songs. Yeah, I mean, right. I can see like, like, like of the two groups of people that they would want it to appeal to <laughs> i can see neither group being turned on about the prospect of it uh, yeah
1: Yeah. Uh, now cause... one question for you jeff um when you decide to want to do a tribute band motley Crue stuff did you have to get any like okay from the band or anybody else to be doing their songs like this and kind of using their likeness or not using their likeness but using their own cover on that? Um, you
2: know, so the one thing that's kind of infamous is uh, when people use songs by Metallica. Um, they have a staff of lawyers that goes after people. Um, Motley Crue is pretty much the exact opposite. Um, Motley Crue uh, encourages people to do tribute bands um, and they have no problem with it. As a matter of fact, uh, in, in uh, the movie we we're talking about, The Dirt, um, there's a lead singer on all of the remade tracks who's the lead singer of a Motley Crew tribute band based in L.A. And he's the one they hired to do, <laughs> you know, the vocal tracks. So, you know, obviously um, there's a kindred spirit there. So, yeah, um, I have not heard of anybody having any problems with it. And um, this is actually the second Motley Crue tribute band that I've been in. Okay. The, the first Motley Crue tribute band that I was in um, was before COVID, and it, it was called Motel 6. And the reason why it was called Motel 6 was because the bass player in that band um, had kind of had the start-up, Claim on it. He was one of the guys that kind of started that whole project, and his story that he always told was that he was he had met all the guys in the band back before they made it because he was in the navy at San Diego, and they would go up to L.A. on the weekends to see Motley Crue every chance they could because somebody in the platoon had just said this band was awesome. You got to go see it, and you know so. The bass player in this Motel Six band would frequently tell stories of the times he's hung out with Nikki Six. Specifically, was the guy that he actually spent the most time around. Um, when they were on their farewell tour in 2015, supposedly he bought a bass guitar from Nikki Six. You know, I mean, right in their hotel room and everything in Minneapolis. But be all that as it may. You know, his take on it was that, yeah, Nikki Six and, and the rest of the band, they think the more tribute bands out there, the better. They love it. That's, that's great. great.
1: Makes sense. You, you, you look know, at Journey, sure. that, that's how they replaced that's Steve Perry.
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, also, well, everybody knows the story of Judas Priest, you know. The, yep. Movie Rockstar was based on it. Um, you know, I've had numerous people tell me that, you know, Vince Neil singing is so horrible now that they should just get somebody else. And why don't I send him a tape? And I'm like, hey, you give me an address for Nikki 6 I'll send him my tape. <laughs> you know, next time you're talking to Nikki Six at lunchtime, you know, let him know my name.
1: <laughs> now, yeah. they say you know, the, uh, the guy who's replaced Mick Mars, what, Johnny uh, Five or something like that? So
2: See him in live, you know, it's been kind of a major disappointment for a lot of people, which makes me look better because you know when I sing it, people are like, "You sound better than Vince Neil." Well, it's not hard to do really (laughs) these days, but yeah, I try. I try to sound just like the record. As a tribute band, I'm not trying to recreate what they do or did. I'm not trying to put my own spin on it. I'm trying to sound just like. The record that oh. you've all heard on the radio, with that. each and every song that we do, our guitar player has the same philosophy. He doesn't make up his own guitar solos. Tries to play note for note, just like what it was on the radio. We all do in the band. Yeah, as a trip I think a lot of tribute bands are that way.
0: Uh, I love that personally. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh,
1: now, where and do you guys? Andy, what
0: was the other question you had?
1: Where are you guys going to be playing next?
2: What was that?
0: Where are you guys going to be playing next, uh, upcoming shows? Oh, um, we've got a small club date
2: down in Zambroda, Minnesota, on the Wednesday night. I've never been to this place. They tell me it's a great party. Someplace called the Guilty Goose in Zambroda, Minnesota, down on, you know, it's on 52 on the way to, to – Um, Rochester, I believe. And then uh, we're in St. Paul, um, January 21st at Shamrocks um, down on 7th Street. And uh, we're in Winona um, at a big place called the Black Horse. That's a big college town. Um, Back to Shamrocks again, April 7th. Um, back to the Black Horse, April fifteenth, and of course I'm always working on other dates. Uh, got a lot open. All of us in the in the tribute band are in other bands, um, so we have to coordinate with our schedules. I'm in a another cover band called Second to None, and we play you know a couple times a month in that band. But uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to doing a lot more uh, in 2023 and getting this thing pushed out
0: there. Awesome. Now, what is your uh, contact information for the band uh, or Facebook page or Twitter account?
2: On Facebook is the only place that we are right now, and it's Theater of Pain. And the theater is the R-E version, not E-R, Theater Theater of Pain, M-N.
0: At, okay, Theater of Pain, uh, the R.E. version, uh, M.N. on Facebook is where you can reach out and uh, and uh, yep. get to know these guys. Awesome.
2: Yep, you can see videos there and uh, see whatever updates we have to our schedule coming up. And I will post uh, a le- when you send me a link of this podcast, I'm going to put it there.
0: Awesome. Well, then uh, anything else, Andy from Theater of Pain, uh, More or other. with Jeff here.
1: Just real quick, like we said earlier, um, the Brown Street uh, version was better. That reached number three on the charts. Motley Crue's version only got the number 16. So three, the original
0: song reached as high as three on the charts. And Motley Crue's was 16. Okay, interesting. Oh, I'm s-
2: smoking in the boys' room? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Huh. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you know, Motley Cruz is no dumb they picked a song that was a hit. Yeah, <laughs> a remake.
0: That's how you do it.
2: That's how you do it. Um, well, listen, guys, I appreciate you guys having me on. I got to cut it short here and let you go. Um, all right. Thanks I- for your time, Jeff. You guys having me on, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again.
0: Awesome. We'll look to see you live there in the future at one of your shows, but thanks again for your time tonight.
2: Yeah, we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank,
0: Thank you. you. Uh, Andy, so what else have we got for uh, concerts, updates, tours?
2: Elders? Well, we'll just have, have
1: to re- re- refresh some of our stuff from last week to some of our, our local favorite bands we got here. Just Medina. We'll go through Medina Entertainment Center's list of stuff here. Um, Coming up again this weekend, Thunderstruck with Arena will okay. be there. Um, That's take tomorrow, right? Yep. Tomorrow night. Uh, the 28th, taking it to the limit, an Eagles tribute band, um, which, we like we said earlier, country artists did a bunch of Eagles songs. Okay, that I could see it's kind of the same type of music. So yeah. they were pretty good. Um, November 29th, the Four Horsemen, a Metallica tribute band with them pesky kids. Okay. Um, the 12th of November, Trilogy at the Doors, Led Zeppelin, and Pink Floyd. Those three. And of course, like we said, December 10th, Hairball, our friends Hairball.
0: Whoa. That should be good. That's going to be uh, on our website. We've got that listed on the calendar as well. Yep. Check out the calendar for other events and things that we've got going on here at Sports and Songs. But uh, we're glad to have Jeff on. I, you know, I love tribute bands. It's good to have these kind of guys on, these local guys. and yep. Love it. I can't wait to see this, these guys uh, perform.
1: Yeah, I, I like them too. I like the tribute bands, like I said, when they try to keep the sound the same too. They don't make it their own, you know, then you're not a tribute band. Then you're just karaoke night guy. Then when you make it your own. So
0: that's true. That's true. All right, guys, have a good week. We'll see you next week on uh, our songs edition of uh, sports and songs podcast.
1: All right. Thanks. We'll see you guys. All right. See you.